0: Today I'm going to explore the history of Ezra Convis, the wealthy pioneer industrialist and landowner who founded the village of Verona, as well as had a hand in the founding of the village of Augusta. He was the first speaker of the House of Representatives under the new constitution in the territory of Michigan. And at one time he owned one half of the land that now constitutes downtown Battle Creek. General Ezra Convass of Silver Creek, Chautauqua County, New York, in company with a man by the name of Nedabai Angel, visited Michigan around 1832. They came to Calhoun County, as so many other pioneers did, and he examined the location of Battle Creek, and he also did some prospecting for other land around the county, And then they returned to their homes well pleased with their new land and discovery of what they'd found. Mr. Convas' brother Samuel came the next year and made a permanent location in Battle Creek. Early in the spring of 1833, Ezra Convas' family, together with the families of Nathaniel Barney and Netabaya Angel, came to Battle Creek and together they shared the same house for that first year in the village of Battle Creek. Ezra Convass came himself in 1834, a year later. He at once became interested in the affairs of the young colony and took an active part in its enterprises. So he, in connection with Mr. Nathaniel Barney, who was actually his father-in-law, they became one-half owner of what is now known as the Guernsey Purchase. Now, the Guernsey Purchase was approximately 800 acres of land lying within the present-day limits of the city of Battle Creek. The other half-owner of this Guernsey purchase was Sans McCamley at that time. Um, and I did another podcast video early on, so you might want to take a listen to that to connect the two histories. Now, Ezra canvas was also continuing to look for land in the area, and he cast about the country looking for other desirable locations, and he found one about a mile and a half up the river on the Battle Creek where there was a small area of rapids. He at once saw that there could be water power obtained with this location because of the fall of the river, so he consequently selected the eight acres covering that area of water power and purchased it. And he actually congratulated himself at that time considering that he had just bought himself a prospective village. So he also bought other lands in the vicinity and other parts of the territory. He, along with Governor Ransom, Sands McCamley, and Moses and Tolman Hall, purchased a tract of land that is now considered the village of Augusta. Once they purchased that land, they dug the canal that constitutes the water power there, erected some mills and thus essentially founding the town of Augusta. So there's a little bit of Augusta history connected with Ezra Convass as well, and it also ties in with Sans McCamley. In 1835, not long after his arrival, he sold out his half interest in the Guernsey property to a man named Jonathan Hart and his brothers-in-law, Abraham, Joseph, and Isaac Merritt. And he gave the interest that he had in the water power in Battle Creek to Sands McCamley, provided that he would improve it. And that was the agreement he had with Sands McCamley. So at this point, he took his entire attention to building up a town on the former purchase that he had made in Battle Creek on that eight acres of land that covered the river where there was a little waterfall. And he set about to try to bring a village into existence. So if you put it in the contrast of what was going on in 1838, three years later in Battle Creek, under his supervision, a mile and a half north of Battle Creek, just up the river, in Battle Creek they had a sawmill, they had a gristmill, they had blacksmith shops, taverns, two stores, they had a doctor, a lawyer, and various mechanics and other types of businesses. Three years later, 1838, he had the same in his new little rival town, which he called Verona. He had a man running a sawmill. He had a gristmill, both where he had established it as he had planned on that little waterfall on the river. He had a man who was a blacksmith hammering in a forge. There was a a couple of uh, business owners that were running a tailoring shop. There was a couple other mechanics at their trades. And there is even a tavern in town and another guy who had a cabinet shop. So they had pretty much the same number of businesses. They even had a dry goods salesman. So he was building up with anticipation to be a competition to the village of Battle Creek. Now, Ezra Convas had a little bit of money and he had a little bit of influence. And when Michigan set about forming their constitution and electing a legislature, Ezra Convas ran for the position covering the area where he was from in Calhoun County, and he was elected. And subsequently, he was voted to be the Speaker of the House of Representatives, going into the first legislature for the new forming state. They were essentially waiting for approval for statehood. This was 1835, and as we know, the Michigan did not get signed into statehood until 1837 in January. So he was about 12 months ahead of time. They had gotten the constitution ready. They voted in the legislature. They elected senators to go serve in Washington and represent the state. They elected a state congressman. And Ezra Convass was with the local state legislature and he was chosen to be the Speaker of the House. One of the things that was occurring around the same time, because I guess they were meeting as a legislature, operating and running the state so they could demonstrate that they could do this. And there was discussion of the railroad coming into Battle Creek. Now, it's speculated that Ezra Conviss would have used his influence to have the railroad come through Verona. Being in his position as Speaker of the House, he certainly could have done this. And he was elected to a second term, set out to serve between 1837 to 18. 38. So he was elected as the first speaker of the house during Michigan statehood at that point. And while he was attending the legislature which was being held in Detroit over the winter of 1837 to 1838. So this would have been between December and early January of 1838, he along with a number of other members of the legislature were invited to a famous landlord in Detroit. His name was Teniac. And there's actually an old bar in Detroit that still bears the name Teniac and has a plaque to the original tavern owner. And um, if you want to see more visuals on this, I created a video on the founding of the village of Verona and I included some of that history. So I'll put the link to the YouTube video that I created on this about a year ago and I'll put that in the description at the end of this. So while attending this ta- Tavern owners, his daughter was getting married, and he held a wedding, and he invited all these people from the state legislature to come attend the wedding. So Ezra and his wife were planning on attending. Ezra was riding in a sleigh, going back to Detroit. And it was a snowy winter evening. There was an accident. The slave flipped over and he was injured on his side. So it was pretty severe. They called for his wife uh, because of the injury. They took him to a quiet house and she sat there and he passed away later that evening or a few days later. So Convass died prematurely. He was in the middle of introducing a piece of legislature that was going to establish a new township in Calhoun County and he had passed that on. They hadn't voted on it yet. So after his death, a colleague in the legislature picked up this Piece of legislation got it pushed through and got it passed, and they named the township Convass Township. So that's how Convas Township was named in Calhoun County, and it's after Ezra Convas. There's been a lot of speculation over the years that if Ezra Convass had not died prematurely that winter, he could have used his influence to reroute the railroad or have the railroad come through Verona instead of the route that it took, which was a more southernly route to Battle Creek. That was not something that was just impossible to do. It was actually a very realistic probability. Could be that he'd already been in discussions with that at the time. Who knows? The interesting thing about it is, after he died, the village started to basically go into decline, because it had lost its leader. And over the about a decade later, it had fallen into losing, almost losing its entire identity, and it, it ultimately today, it's kind of a suburb of Battle Creek, and it's absorbed by the city of Battle Creek. And there's a few mentions of Verona with Verona Road and there is uh, the Verona Dam. The remnants of the old mill can be found there at uh, they've got a little park set up where you can go down there and look over the overlook that they have built there and look at the river and the little waterfalls. But, and you can see the remnants of the old mills on both sides of the river. Some other interesting history about Ezra canvas he held the first party ever in Battle Creek and it was at his home on New Year's Eve in 1836. And his home was reported to be where present day Bailey Park is, and it was spoken of him at the time that the gentlemanly and courteous host presided at the table with his accustomed ease and dignity. So Mr. Ezra Convas was, had a good record within the community. He was well thought of among the people around. Was he a challenge to Sands McCamley and the endeavors down there? Of course he was. You know, There's no doubt about that. But uh, I think he was well thought of for a long time. He had a title of general, and that came from him being in the militia in New York. He had been a brigadier general there. A couple of other interesting points in history. There was a considerable debate long years afterwards of where Ezra Canvas was buried. He was said to have been in the Verona Cemetery, which was located off of East Avenue in present day. It is actually some power lines standing over that site from Consumers Energy off East Avenue. It's up on a hill. There's a barricaded sign that says no trespassing. And from looking at the old records from newspapers of the time, there apparently had been probably about 20 or 30 graves in that little cemetery at the time. A lot of the graves had been moved to Hicks Cemetery or other cemeteries in the area, but no one could specifically trace where Ezra Convice's grave had been moved to. There had been some old timers at the time stating that they remember seeing a headstone in that cemetery that was marked plainly General or General canvas. So they believe that that was where he was resting. Um, and then there was also talk about that there had been a big uh, flowering bush planted over his grave. So I tried to go and take a look at that site, but you can't get up there because it's got a, you know some signs saying that you shouldn't go up there, it's Consumers Energy and it's private property now. So another interesting thing that occurred when they decided to put a historic marker to Ezra Convass in the Verona area. The powers that be in that area I don't know if it was the city of Battle Creek or people that were in charge of the school district there decided to put the marker at the Verona School which you can find it on the corner of Verona Road and Highway M66, Capitol Avenue Northwest and it's in the schoolyard there. It's really hard to kind of get to because there's really no place to park. I've gone over and looked at the marker and filmed it and I put it in my video. Um, but the family at the time, the the descendants of Ezra canvas had written letters in protest, they wanted the marker put at Bailey Park because that was on the land where his homestead used to be. You know, and now it's Bailey Park. So they lost that battle and um, it's hard to know exactly what happened there. There wasn't much written in the newspaper about how they took that. But that's kind of the story of Ezra Convis. He did have some surviving descendants. There's a lot of odd things that happened with the deeds and the way he had platted the village of Verona. There was a lot of questionable actions on they couldn't find the deeds some of the property owners and it just became kind of a legal mess that continued on for almost two decades after his passing so there was some very unusual property history because I guess he hadn't really formally filed the platting with the county or something legally was out so there was people that say hey I paid for this lot with Ezra Convis and it was a handshake deal and Now they're saying they don't, I don't own it and so forth. So there was a lot of odd stuff about that, but it's just an interesting chapter in history because here's a guy who was a visionary and he wanted to really build a successful village to compete with Battle Creek, probably would have changed the whole landscape of Calhoun County or at least this whole township area that is now Battle Creek had he survived, you know, and not been uh, prematurely killed. It would also have been interesting to see what he would have done as the Speaker of the House can continuing on for a few more years because he apparently was well liked up there as well. So it's just a very fascinating chapter in history that affected southwest Michigan. It certainly would have rerouted the railroad not only in Verona, but it might have impacted where the railroad went elsewhere. I kind of feel like it would have gone into the village of Augusta because he had a financial interest there. And today there is a, a railroad that goes from Battle Creek to Augusta. So it's very likely that the, the major change would have been just a shift of population. And maybe Battle Creek would have been a suburb of Verona, and Verona would have been the central city in the Calhoun County area. So, always interesting to speculate on stuff like that. If you like today's episode, please uh, tune in for more. I'll have certainly a lot more coming up. A lot of this information from this article that I read from today and I referred to was coming from the Pioneer Collections that were collected by the Pioneer Society of the State of Michigan back in the 1880s. And so, I mentioned that in my last podcast episode. It's a really useful reference and i came across this article published in the newspaper without knowing that the source was actually the pioneer collections which now i know so i'll put a link to my youtube channel in the description as well if you want to check out some of my other history videos and i hope you'll tune in to the next episode because i got some really cool stuff coming up thanks for listening